Uh, welcome back after camp. Who here went to camp? Obviously all of you in the camp shirts. Nice. Those of you who did not go, we missed you, but it's great to be back. Uh, for those of you who went, just a quick reminder, as we go into this series, it is all about Jesus. We talked about this at camp. For those of you who weren't there, everything that we say and do should be about Jesus, including this conversation that we're going to be having tonight and in the coming weeks. Uh, this taboo series, this idea that there are things that we shouldn't talk about. Uh, sometimes maybe going into a holiday meal, you'll hear someone in your family say, now remember, don't bring up religion or politics at the dinner table because those are explosive topics, divisive topics, and exactly what we're going to touch on tonight. But let me give you kind of a snapshot of where we're going. Uh, so I'll start with August 7th. That's the third week of this series, a couple weeks from now. We're going to talk about sexuality and gender. This is a hot topic in our society. Like, what should we believe? What does the Bible say? We're going to talk about it. Uh, next week, we are going to talk about what does it truly mean to be pro-life. And I promise you, I didn't plan this out after Roe v. Wade got overturned. I've had this series in the books for like six months. It just so happened, uh, things have changed in our world. So we're going to talk about that next week. And then tonight, we're going to talk about faith and politics. If you did not grab a handout tonight, uh, you may want one because I may say something that you strongly disagree with and you want to get it word for word when you send your email later to complain. Uh, we do have a theme verse for this series, and we will look at it every single week. It comes from Ephesians chapter 4, it's verse 15. It says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. This is an important, important verse for us to grasp at the beginning of this, before we dive into faith and politics tonight. We must speak the truth in love. You need both of those things. They are equally important. If you've got that handout, you see I've got two equations here at the very beginning of the handout for you. And you may not love math, that's okay. But here's what I want you to write. Truth minus love equals harshness. Truth minus love equals harshness. Or, I parenthetically noted, legalism. If all you ever do is say truth, but there's no love... You're a harsh person. And I'm not trying to be ugly because that's, that's my tendency. I'm just, I'm just speaking the truth. I'm just being honest. Some of us do that, right? Hey, I'm just being honest. Yeah, but you're also being like super harsh. We need love to temper our truth because truth without love, it's harsh. It drives people away. And I will be honest with you. People out there, that's what they think of us in here that we're harsh, we're legalistic, that we're just all about the thou shalt nots. Don't do that. Don't cross that line. I'm afraid we've become so known for the things that we're against that we don't even stop to think about what are we for. We cannot be a people who live only truth with no love. I don't think that's honoring to Christ. We want to speak the truth in love. Now the flip side of that coin is this. Love Minus truth is relativism. Relativism. Or, I've parenthetically noted, fear. If you're a person who's just, oh, I just love you, I accept everything and all things. Everything's relative. Truth becomes relative. Hey man, whatever you believe is good for you and just whatever's good for me is good for me. The problem with that is you lose complete objectivity. You lose all truth. 
And the problem really then is, what if your truth comes in direct conflict with my truth? What do we do? Truth is not relative. We believe that truth is objective and it's knowable. Jesus, in fact, claimed to be the truth. So if you're a person who all the time just, yeah, man, just I love you, do whatever. That's also not helpful. You may be more popular. You may not be canceled. But I don't think that's good either. Tim Keller, I think, is one of the wisest pastors of our age. He's actually recently retired. He's been battling cancer. Uh, he said it this way in a book he wrote a couple years back. It says, love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but keeps us in denial about our flaws. I think that makes sense. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. You need truth and you need love. If you only have one or the other, you are not being a good ambassador for Christ, in my opinion. So I challenge you, spend some time with this theme verse, Ephesians 4.15. Jot it down, put it on a sticky note, on your steering wheel, in your bathroom, on the mirror, whatever. This is going to be a helpful verse for you as you navigate difficult conversations. And that's what we're doing here these next several weeks. Now you may be wondering, like, why, why are we even doing this? Here's why. I think you guys hear a ton of things from Hollywood. You see a ton of things on social media. You have a ton of conversations with your friends. And if we as the church can't talk about this stuff, I think we are failing you. So we're, we're going to do this. And I may say some things you're like, I don't agree with that. Cool. Come talk to me. Come say, hey, can you help me understand more about this? Can we have a further conversation? Would love to do that. We just want to engage with this. Okay. So let's dive into faith and politics. Raise your hand if you are someone who considers yourself to be very political, like you care a lot about politics. I see like three or four or five hands, okay? Who hates politics, doesn't care anything about it at all? A lot more hands. I assume the rest of us are somewhere kind of in the middle. We live in uh, politically divisive times. And you may be like, yeah, so why are you talking about this? The Bible's not political. We shouldn't be doing this. Faith and politics have nothing to do with one another. Well, here's the deal. If you truly follow Jesus, your faith in him should absolutely inform every part of your life. How you handle your finances. How you navigate romantic relationships. How you make decisions about your future. And yes, how you navigate the political world. If it's really all about Jesus, that has to touch every part of your life, not just Sundays. Not just Sundays. And two, the Bible actually is quite political. You maybe just don't realize it because you kind of skip past some of this. I'll, I'll give you some examples. I don't have time to dive into all of them. This comes from Mark 12. Uh, this is during the time of Jesus' ministry. It says at the beginning, verse 13, the leaders sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. So right from the beginning, we know they're trying to trap Jesus. And they're trying to butter him up a little bit. They say, you're honest, you're impartial. And so then they ask him, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Boy, taxes are tricky. People today still go, taxation is theft. It's a, it's a whole thing. And they were doing this to Jesus to try to trap him. Because here's the deal. The country in which Jesus lived was Roman occupied. Meaning Rome had conquered it. They put their troops there and said, you're going to do it our way. And it was very, very hated by the Jews. And so they came and, and they, they had two thoughts. Either Jesus will say, yes, pay the taxes. And then we can tell all the Jews, he hates us. He's a Roman collaborator. we got to get rid of this guy. 
Or he'll say, don't pay the taxes, and then we'll go to the Romans and say, this guy's a political agitator. He's going to try to start an uprising. We've got to get rid of this guy. And it's the, the beautiful deafness with which Jesus responds and says, hey, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. And they're like, dang, that was pretty good. Um, his reply completely amazed them there in verse 17. Jesus knew what he was doing. This is a very politically charged environment, just like today. Did you know that Jesus being crucified, there's a political element there. He stands before Pilate. He asks him, this is John 19, starting in verse 10. Says, Pilate speaking to Jesus, don't you realize I have the power to release you or crucify you? And Jesus tells him, you don't have any power over me. It's all given from above. Look at verse 12. Pilate tried to release Jesus. He was like, this guy hasn't done anything wrong. I'm going to let him go. The Jewish leader shouted, if you release this man... You are no friend of Caesar, and anyone who declares himself a king is a rebel against Caesar. There's political pressure to kill Jesus. And Pilate ultimately acquiesces. He's like, you know what? I don't want to be labeled not a friend of Caesar. So they kill Jesus. You jump into even after Jesus is gone. This is Acts 17. Paul and Silas, maybe you've heard of them. Uh, They're being accused of causing trouble. And uh, these religious leaders in Acts 17 come to the home of Jason And they're saying he has welcomed them into his home. They're all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. Even after Jesus had rose from the dead and went back to the Father, there's political tumultuousness. These followers of the way, as they were known, are thought to be some kind of political movement who are setting themselves in opposition to Caesar. And in fact, they would say, Jesus is Lord. We see what Paul says in Romans 10 here. Jesus is Lord. Because in that time, they would say, Caesar is Lord. That was a common phrase. It was on the money. It was something that was very commonly said. They believed there was a divine nature to Caesar. And so just by simply saying, Jesus is Lord, that in itself is a political statement. This stuff's all over the Bible. And so if you've not realized that before, I mean, I get it. Maybe you just read right past it. And like I said, we're we're scratching the surface for the sake of time. But here's what I want you to remember as we think about our political days that are charged and divisive and all those things. Remember this, and this is on your handout. We follow Jesus, not a political party. We follow Jesus, not a political party. Neither Republicans nor Democrats are the source of your salvation. No matter how many promises they make, no matter how much their agenda that they are saying seems to line up with yours, they can't save you. Salvation is in Christ alone. Jesus is the hope that we cling to. Derwin Gray, who's a pastor just outside of Charlotte, says that our allegiance is neither to a donkey or an elephant, but to the lamb. It's all about Jesus. Now, I'm not saying, down with the government, let's get them. I'm not saying that. Again, the Bible has a lot to say about politics. If you wanted to look in Romans chapter 13, Paul says, everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. And he goes on to talk about when people rebel, what that really means, the authorities being there because God put them there for a reason. You keep reading even down into verse uh, 6 and 7. He talks about paying your taxes. For the government workers need to be paid. You're like, man, that is not an encouraging Bible verse. I get it. They can't all be as good as John 3.16. But there's a political piece here that we have to unpack. We live 
in the United States of America, we have a government. Whether you hate it or you love it, you have to interact with it in some way. You may go, hey, I'm not old enough to vote and I never plan on voting. And that's your right. But you will be impacted by the government. You just will. And so how you navigate, whether you vote, how to vote, how you have conversations with family members who are deeply entrenched in one way of thinking, how you navigate conversations with friends, neighbors, stuff matters. And I want to give you a couple of things to think about. You see, you've got an ABC. I'm going to give you three things to try to equip you. I'm not going to stand here and tell you, here's how you should think politically. Here's what you should do with your faith and your politics. I'm not going to do that. I would challenge you to not look for someone to always spoon feed you. You need to think through these things for yourself. But I'm going to give you some tools to try to help give you a handle on this. A, on your handout, is seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. What is wisdom? Who can tell me? Yeah. Uh, Knowing what's right. Knowing what's right. I thought that might be the answer. But it is a little bit more than that. Wisdom is more than just knowledge. It is the skillful application of that knowledge, the right application of that knowledge. So it starts with that. You're right. But then sometimes you've been right, but then you still somehow got it wrong. Do you know what I'm talking about? For me, that often shows up in my relationship with my wife. Miracle of miracles. Sometimes like, ha, I'm right here and she's wrong. And then I just try to dunk on her and uh, I was right, but then I was wrong. That's not wise for a lot of reasons, but skillful application of right knowledge is wisdom, and that only comes from God. If you want to go and read about wisdom, go check out the Proverbs. There are 31 chapters. You can read one every day in a month, particularly Proverbs 8 and 9 personifies wisdom. And if you were to look in your Bible, I think at Proverbs 8, it says wisdom calls for a hearing. You need to seek wisdom. James 1, 5 says this way, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. If you're looking for wisdom, you're not going to find it in the depths of social media or around the lunchroom table with people who have lived just as little as you have. Wisdom comes from God. So ask him as you're thinking about all of these difficult topics, but particularly, God, how do I take my faith and apply it to my politics God, can you help me just have some wisdom here? Solomon is known as the wisest person who ever lived. He was told by God, you can ask me for anything. And Solomon chose wisdom, not fame, not riches. And God rewarded him and said, because you've chosen this best thing, I'm going to give you the fame and the riches and all this other stuff. But wisdom is, is so valuable. Ask God for wisdom as you deal with these topics. B, research thoroughly research thoroughly. This one's tricky because we live in an ADD society. Most of us in this room are guilty of reading headlines and pulling out snippets instead of actually doing the hard work of diving into what's going on here. To research thoroughly does not mean going to one source that's just going to confirm your bias. That's called confirmation bias. We have to be willing to do some research, to dig and to look and to see. And again, you guys have the attention span of the TikTok generation. You're like, man, this is more than 60 seconds. I'm out. I don't care anymore. We have to be willing to do some research and dig in. This is true, not just about political stuff. In fact, I would argue biblically you need to do this. 
Anytime anybody stands in front of you and proclaims anything from God's word, whether that's me or Josh or JC or Perry, you should go and double check them. Paul, who wrote more of the New Testament than anybody, commended the people of Berea, not 20 minutes up the road Berea, but he said, the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. This is Luke writing, sorry. And they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were telling the truth. You should do that for me, especially in this series. You're like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to agree with him. Go check what I'm saying versus the Bible. Always, no matter the topic. Do your own research. It's going to take time. It's going to take some effort. But if you want to apply your faith to your politics and how you're going to vote, and how you're going to think through this, it means doing some research beyond just the sensational headlines that pop up. You have to be willing to take that time. Last thing is this, maintain perspective. Maintain perspective. What do I mean by this? All of this is temporary. All of it. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 says that since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. He talks about thinking about the things of heaven, being dead to this life because our real life is hidden with Christ. No matter who is in the White House, no matter who has a majority in the House or the Senate, Jesus is on the throne. That's the most important thing. I'm not saying that other stuff doesn't matter. What I'm saying is, ultimately, all of this world will pass away and Christ will be what remains. So if you are more caught up in the political things of this world than you are being consumed by the love of Christ, you've got a problem. We need to focus on Christ. We've got to maintain some perspective. And another part of maintaining perspective is understanding there are multiple perspectives. Sometimes we disagree, and how we disagree, I think, shows a lot about our character. Sometimes we fall into this trap. There's a social, social psychology term called de-individuation. You're like, what does that mean? Here's what happens. You're driving down the road. Either you're driving or you're riding with somebody. You get cut off. And you look and you see the bumper sticker on the car in front of you. And it's a Republican bumper sticker, right? It says, Trump Pence. That's just like a Republican to cut me off in traffic. All Republicans are terrible. You see what you did? You de-individualized that person and you said, well, now all Republicans are this way. And some of you are like, exactly. Flip side, you're riding in that same car. Someone cuts you off and you look and see that Biden bumper sticker. Oh my gosh, liberals can't drive. I knew it, all liberals. But now wait a minute. You've stripped that person of being an individual and you've lumped them in. We do this. Now imagine the flip side for a second. You're riding with somebody in that car. Same scenario happens either way. And it's your team, your party, the people you identify with. And they're, and, oh my gosh, I can't, they're all like that. And you're like, well, hold on, wait a minute. I'm not that way. You're lumping me in. Maintain some perspective. Don't strip someone of their individuality. And part of that is not taking shots across social media at people just because maybe they line up a little bit differently than where you land. Have a conversation face-to-face -face with somebody. Part of maintaining perspective is trying to understand where somebody else may line up. 
and it doesn't mean that you're giving ground and it doesn't mean that you're like legitimizing something that you don't believe in. It means you are caring enough about a human being to hear him out. And one of the best ways that you can have an opportunity to share where you stand with something is by listening first. Does that make sense? Is is this tracking anybody getting this? Okay, I see like three heads nodding, so thank you, you three. As we kind of come to a close with this, uh, I want to share a clip from one of my favorite shows because I think it's applicable to, we're about to go to small groups, we're about to have conversations about this. Um, So one of my favorite shows from the last couple years is a show called Ted Lasso. Who has seen Ted Lasso? Those of you who've seen it, you're like, what clip are you going to show? Man, the language in that show. Uh, it's set in England, so some of the language can be a little rough sometimes. Here's, here's the premise of the show, for those of you who've never seen it. Ted Lasso is an American football coach who has been hired to be a soccer coach in England. He has no clue about what soccer even is or about. It's very funny. The owner of the team is a woman named Rebecca. She's the blonde that you'll see in this clip. Uh, she is divorced from her ex-husband, who's a huge jerk, and he's making her life very difficult. And so Ted kind of stands up to fight for her honor and he's challenged by this jerk, Rupert, to a game of darts. And that's all the setting that you need to understand a little bit about the clip, but mostly it's his words I think you'll find impactful. Check it out. Mate, you don't need to win. Team triple tweet the balls <laughs> Good luck. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. And I like that. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work. And all of a sudden, it hits me. All them fellas used to belittle me. Not a single one of them were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out, so they judged everything, and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. Because <laughs> if they were curious, they would ask questions. You know? Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? <laughs> Which I would have answered, Yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father, from age 10 to I was 16, he passed away. Barbecue sauce. It's a cool moment. It's a cool show. But I love the Walt Whitman quote, be curious, not judgmental. As we get ready to go to groups and have conversations about some of this stuff, and again, maybe you're like, I'm not really in this world. One day you will be. Be curious, not judgmental. Let's love one another, even if we disagree. It's okay to have strong opinions, but let's not dunk on other people with them. All right, let me pray for us, and we will get ready to go to groups. God, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Jesus, we thank you that you sacrificed your life and that you rose from the dead. Remind us, Jesus, that it is all about you. Every part of our life should be shaped by our faith in you. Give us wisdom to navigate tricky situations, including political ones. Help us to honor you in all the things that we do, in all the things that we 
think and all the things that we say. God, we want our lives to point others to you. So help us not to be caught up or consumed by the things of this world. We love you. Bless our time of conversation now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said.